Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3 Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. What up, what up, and welcome back to the 3 Take, presented by Dugout Mugs. This is episode 129, the Johnny Gomes episode. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate. What a fire episode. No joke. Johnny Gomes, an absolute straight shooter. Just keeping it real. Um, I think that's just like the way he always carried himself as a player, too. That you could just tell. Like when I when we were doing research, you know, obviously you're looking at videos and you're kind of looking up some some old game tape, and you're just like, this guy just let the beard flow, took gangster hacks when he was in the box appreciated his teammates like was dope in the clubhouse that's all you can ask for and he's the same type dude when you talk to him yeah it's it's very evident that he has not changed since he stopped playing he's very much a team first guy very much a appreciate the opportunity that you have before you type guy just a is very down to earth uh, yeah absolute love chatting love chatting with him uh, he had some had some pretty good stories. I know I'm a little biased as a Sox it was fan. Tough. It was tough. I, I'm, I'm recognize it. It was tough for you, but I appreciate you uh, hanging on there by thread, nonetheless. I, no, but it was I, it was good. I was I wasn't lying. I told him you'll hear it. It's my favorite Red Sox player that we've talked to. He's the only one. So I see what you did there. <laughs> No, I, I mean, like I told him, and you'll hear it as well. I could have talked to him for hours about that 2013 team. Like, even if you're not a Red Sox fan, if you're just a baseball fan and you dig a little deeper into just the story behind that team, the the story behind that year, what it meant to the city, yeah, just super awesome. And the fact that we were able to talk with a guy that was. I would argue very much at the forefront of that. Like he's on cover of Sports Illustrated, Boston Strong. I mean, he's hitting home runs in the World Series. I mean, yeah, an intricate piece. Very much so. And just hearing some of the things he had to share about guys he was he played with at that time, in addition to the guys he played with around the league. Like we talked about it a little bit in the podcast. Very much a journeyman, but he didn't really seem to to be deterred by that. He, he very much welcomed the whole journeyman thing, the, like the moniker on and was like, yeah, I'll own it. But it gave me this experience. It gave me that experience. So that was kind of cool to hear from him. Yeah. And you just tell, I mean, he's one of those dudes that I feel like when, if teams made moves to include him, they knew they were getting a solid clubhouse guy, a solid teammate. Um, The production, I think from him, the bop, that he provided in the lineup, I think it was bonus. I think it was more about the veteran, more about the presence. I feel like, I mean, he talks about being an A, an Oakland A, and just, I, I he was built to be a solid teammate. And I think that's cool, man. Those are, those are the guys you like to talk to because those are the true people that love the game that don't matter how it gets done. I just want Ws. I just want the ring. Solid teammate, solid dude all around. Without further ado, Johnny Gomes. All right. So we are joined here by 13-year MLB veteran and World Series champion, Johnny Gomes. Johnny, thanks for joining us, man. All good, guys. Yeah, just uh, yeah, all good, man. Anytime you all need to talk ball, I'm one of your guys. We need it right now, man. Literally nothing going on. How you, how you been staying busy? I'll tell you what, I got three kids uh, and then a brand new fresh one. So that's four as a whole. The uh, the youngest one is uh, coming up on two months. He's just like an upside down turtle. You know, he's just, <laughs> you know, just two hour shifts. But um, man, just, just dominating with my kids. Uh, I mean, there was, uh, you know, Zoom calls for school and uh yeah, I mean, it, it's a whole different deal, but, uh, yeah, man, staying busy with the kids and shit, that, that, that's about it. Two months old, dude. Are you getting any sleep? 
this kid's a champ, man. He's a yeah. champ. This dude just came out. I mean, this dude just goes heavy boob, heavy poop, and heavy sleep. He's uh, <laughs> yeah, he he he's a gold mine. He's awesome. It's, it's, it's fun. So you mentioned before we hopped on that you, as you said, you got nothing going on. You were even watching draft a little bit tonight. What are your thoughts on this season, man? Like, are we even going to have a season? Well, I mean, I guess Manford kicked it off. I, I, I didn't even hear it, but he's like, we will 100% play 2020. I mean, I guess with, with everything online, that that's what he said. Um, and I just like, gosh, it, it, it's so hard because I, I try so hard, you know, I mean, it's that you right here in the arena. Like, I'm not in the arena of MLB right now. I'm not a player. I'm not in it. So, like, everything I have is just an opinion. Um, but when I was in the arena, I, I was just so focused on me, so focused on my team, so focused on what I had. And like, nothing else mattered. Um, I just hope – MLB and the players know, like, if you have to take a, a, a salary hit, if you have to take some sort of hit, like, you're going to be a goddamn cult hero if you play, man. Like, if you play the game you love, if you play the game when you're 10, like, you're going to be a damn cult hero. I understand that there's insurance policies on these $30 million shoulders and insurance policies on these 35 million dollar hamstrings like I totally get it and I know nothing about it but my god if baseball was on tv MLB baseball like you would just dominate man yeah I mean I I think you can speak to it better than anybody is is why is there such a crazy disconnect right now I feel like they're they're so far on the opposite ends of the spectrum and with Manfred saying he's guaranteeing a, a, a season, it's like, dude, you, your guys' offers are so far from anything wanting to be accepted. How are you guaranteeing this, you know? Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned, from not being on the player side or the owner side by any means, that, like, I, I truly get both sides, right? Like, I got to pay Mookie Betts and I got to pay David Price all this money. Like, you go to New York, I got to pay Garrett Cole. I got to pay Stanton. I got to pay all these guys. But yet I can't sell a ticket. No, 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 no. The reason I can pay these dudes this much money is because I sell all these tickets and I sell all their jerseys and I sell all the beer and I sell all the parking. Um, I get that side and I get the other side is the players that are like, listen, I'm at this level and I get paid at this level. You know, I compare it to like, like a surgeon, you know, like a brain surgeon, you know, who gets like a, I don't know, whatever, $500,000 of surgery. And they're like, hey, man, we need you to do this surgery for $100,000. You're like, hell no. Go get the other guy to go do that surgery. If you want me, the best in the world, to do it, I get paid what I get. So, man, I get both sides. Um, and at the same time, I want them to play because I just want to see who was a lazy piece of crap these last couple months. And I want to see who's going to show up just like jack. Like this dude was doing a thousand push-ups every day at his house. <laughs> like my gosh, um, yeah, and just to see what worked and what different worked, and uh, all this stuff, and the shortened season, and it just be a sprint to the end. It'd be pretty cool. So with that shortened season, I know one of the possibilities, and I hope we don't get to this point, but uh, Manfred has the power to force that truncated season being around the players that you were for so long and, and understanding the mindset behind these guys, is that something that's going to go over very well? i tell you what, man, it, it, it's, it, it, it's going to be whoever has the loudest voice, right? Whoever has the loudest voice. I mean, if, if the top dog, like in my day, if like Derek Jeter or something came up and be like, yeah, I'm totally on board with this. Let's do it. We're going to follow the dude, you know, um, any of those guys. If they just speak up and just be like, yeah, we're, yeah, I'm on board. Let's do it. Mike Trout comes in and be like, hey, you know, this isn't the hand we were dealt. This isn't, you know, how we wanted it, but we just want to play baseball. And everyone's going to follow. 
you know, but if the talk dog comes out and just be like, man, this sucks. I just can't wait till it's over. Um, you know, 2020 is going to be a wash. We'll see in 2021. 20, uh, then we're going to follow that lead. Um, and it's on both sides, you know, the, the owners speak and just be like, ah, oh, yeah, we're just giving this a trial. We'll see how it works. But man, you, you, you got to follow the, you know, the captain, of the ship, the captain, of the boat and, you know, whoever sets the tone, you know, they're going to follow. So hopefully that tone is set well. Talk to me about how, how, how do we manage fans expectations of player performance? If we do have a shortened season, I mean, you get that it takes, a certain amount of ABs in a, in a season where you really fall into place and you start to feel comfortable. Now we're cutting that down almost two thirds. How do you feel like we should expect players to perform? Well, I'll tell you what, if Mike Trout hits 210 this year and hosts the World Series trophy, hmm, oh, man. wow. <laughs> no one cares, man. And for the first time in a long time, you know, it is going to be a full-blown team sport, which it is in the playoffs. And I always say that 162 games is an appetizer for what matters. There's only possibly about 17 games if you go all the way for, you know, five-game, five-game, you know, seven-game deal. Um, man, if, I mean, if you see one of these big hosses, you know, with the runner on second lay down a bunt, because of the shift, you'd be like, hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you see Mookie Betts like shove a bunt on the right side because they do a full shift. That's one homer off his deal. Might be a hit off his deal, you know, because it's a sack, but they're going to be there in the playoffs. That's what it's all about. So, um, and then you're going to get some dude who's in last place who no one knows anything that's going to hit 360 and he's going to get the batting title. And then you're going to get some dude, you know, who triple crowns the damn league because it's only 80 games and he's not going to playoffs. And then you get all these individual wars that no one's going to remember. So in terms of the postseason, how do you feel regarding the legitimacy of a potential World Series winner of, say, a 50-60 season game or game season? Count it, bro. Count it. It's one of the very few, I use the term lightly, like fraternity that you can't get voted into and you can't buy. It has to be earned, you know? I mean, there's a fraternity of like 80 to 120 foot yachts. It's a whole different fraternity when you're in it, but you got to buy it. You know, you got to buy it. You know, there's a, there's the horse racing owners, you know, you got to buy it, you know? But World Series baseball, World Series team championships, you know, the four other major sports, man, it's, it's one of the only fraternities you can get in that are elite in the world that you can't buy. So, man, I'd, I'd honor it with the best of them. Where's the ring at, my man? Where where you got it? You got it tucked away somewhere? What's I got it, my uh... Kansas City. I got my Kansas City ring, and I got my Boston ring right on the back side of my bathroom sink. And I look at those pigs every single day when I wake up. Just sitting there. There's not gonna, they're not going to go down the drain, right? They're too big. They ain't going down the drain. No <laughs> one's going no to take them either. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're right there. I, I, I look at them every morning when I'm brushing my chompers. Nate, our friend uh, Johnny here probably crushed your soul back in 2013. Is that, is that, am I correct in saying that? Johnny, I'm a diehard Yankees fan, buddy. And uh, this, right. is a, this is a bittersweet thing that I'm looking at, especially with your T-shirt you're rocking. I've seen you hit a ridiculous amount of long, crushed home <laughs> runs. Monsters, man. Yeah. Just anger me. 2013, yes. man. I mean, let's, let's talk about the star power of big names that are now turning into, you know, well-known managers that are moving into positions. Not to mention you have, you know, the – tradition between the Cardinals and the Red Sox like it's it's two teams that have been around forever like talk to us about yeah. that dude yeah I mean I'll tell you what I mean I guess the writing was on the wall with that ball club you know whether it you know won or didn't win or whatever people want me to compare my Kansas City team and the Boston team you know and I, I don't like to do that or whatever 
But, man, that 2013 team, what sticks out to me, for one, is damn, you were all wrong. We were good. Like, for one, like, talent-wise, like, damn, we were good. From spring training on, I was like, ah, forfeit, yeah, whatever. That's why y'all, you know, whatever. You don't get paid on your predictions. But two on that team was the baseball IQ. Um, I mean, we did some stuff throughout the year. I mean, I think we had, like, 35, 36, like, consecutive stolen bases. That's crazy, man. Uh, The amount of errors. Um, I think we lost uh, three games once, and that was in Texas. Um, we never lost three games in a row again. Uh, the baseball IQ of that team was uh, was second to none. And you got a guy like Ryan Dempster who's in the office. Um, you got a guy like Jared Saltamachia, of course, David Ross behind the plate, uh, Shane Victorino, Dustin Pedroia, Mike Napoli who's in the, uh, with the Cubs again. Um, and the baseball IQ just you know, stuck out huge on that team. So, Johnny, as Nate said, he's a Yankees guy. I'm the diehard Sox guy, so I could literally sit here and talk to you forever about this team. Yeah. Uh, but regarding that 2013 team, what was a mo- what was the moment that you knew you had something special? Um, man, what was the moment? Um, and I wanted to follow up that question by asking yeah. you what the moment was you knew you guys were going to win the World Series. Yeah, so I'll tell you what, I I mean, the ironic thing is it's really hard. And like I talk about the baseball IQ of that team. So to set the goal of winning the World Series in spring training is really dumb or it's really smart, you know, <laughs> right out of the gate. And right out of the gate, man, the, the freaking eye was on the prize. And People forget 2013 is such a majestic year, but my God, what a debacle 2012 was in Boston. I mean, you, one year later, dude, one year. I mean, it could have been like a five-year anniversary of all, like, oh, look what we got from the Dodgers, from Carl Crawford and Beckett, and, you know, that, that huge dump of, of the salary. And then we got the draft pick and we go, whoa, look at the five-year, you know, deal, kind of like the Houston Astros. Um, these guys literally went from full-blown fire sale to World Series in one year. That ain't going to happen again either. Um, so, but, you know, walking through those double doors, you know, I, I always say, like, you know, going to the core guys, going to John Lester, going to Pedroia, Poppy, all this stuff, like, man, they didn't mention 2012. They didn't mention the tw- uh, trades. They didn't mention anything. It was just eye on the prize right now. Like, here we go, clean slate, 2012, let's do it. Um, but I'll tell you what sticks out the most um, from 13 was, you know, people want to, you know, obviously the bombing, you know, was a huge deal. And the first game back with David Ortiz's speech and all that stuff. But what people forget, though, was the Boston Bruins were in the Stanley Cup that year. And went all the way to game seven. And we're just sitting back like, oh, my God, like we're watching a movie. Like the Bruins are getting ready to save our city. Like the wounds are literally still fresh from all this stuff. They're going to go to game and they're going to host that Stanley Cup. And it's just going to be boom, like unbelievable. And these dudes lose game seven. Like that's not how it's supposed to be written. And I remember coming into the yard the next day after the Bruins lost in game seven, and it was like, whole city's on our back. The damn whole city almost got healed and didn't. And it's now on us. And I think uh, everyone's kind of attitude changed because we saw how impactful that championship was going to be. And um, at the same time, you know, as a baseball guy, as any sports guy, you know how hard it is to win a championship. And uh, yeah, I think everyone's attitude changed after that. It was it was strange because it kind of makes me think of like of like nine eleven when yeah. everybody was around New York City and it was just like just this support of New York City. But with the Bruins story, like the Yankees lost the the Diamondbacks in 01, it was like that's not how the script was supposed to go, man. This was fact a month after, you know, or two months after. But 
Yeah, that's that's wild, man. Well, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna ask you about the days pre Red Sox. I'm gonna go okay. back to the to the Rays days. Sure, bro. Yeah. That Coco Crisp brawl. Yeah, yeah. There were some hammers thrown, man. You landed yeah. some hammers. Talk to me about that, dude. Yeah, I mean that 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 was just your good old fashioned brawl right there. <laughs> I mean, I'm I, I'm. It's so funny, man, looking back, as I do, you know, now talking about, like, the history, I say, like, it went by so fast. But if you want to talk about it, I'm going to need a week of your time, man, because a lot of stuff happened. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I was probably, I'm probably the only dude that got in a bench-clearing brawl who was on Tampa to fight the Red Sox. And then I got in a bench-clearing brawl on the Red Sox to fight Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, uh, yeah. So we had that brawl, but you know, rewind all the way to spring training, we got in a pretty good, you know, scrum with the Yankees. Um, but you know, tonight, you know, the draft and all this stuff, and uh, we had a lot of homegrown talent, and we won a lot throughout the minor leagues, man. We had a lot of really good players. By the time we got to the big leagues, kind of 2008, with you know Evan Longoria and David Price knocking on the door. You know, minus the payroll, minus the big market, we're just tired of dudes taking our lunch money. You know, we're tired of being the laughing stock, not only the AL East, but, you know, almost MLB. Um, I mean, there was like pranks, you know, like, oh, you got traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, oh, my God. Oh, just kidding. You know, um, but inside our clubhouse, we were like, nah, man, we got it. And, you know, I, I, I like to say, you know, it, it, it sure shouldn't take a brawl you know, to, to bring the team together. But at the end of the day, it sure doesn't hurt. So, Johnny, you're a little bit of a journeyman. I mean, you're not Edwin Jackson level journeyman, but yeah, I mean, you've been around the league a little bit. And so talking about the Rays, we obviously just talked about the Sox. Is there a team in particular now that you're done playing that you kind of identify with? Because like, I know, for you, it might be, well, I'm a Sox guy because the World Series. I'm a Rays guy. I was there the longest. How, what's your thought process behind that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, I tell you what. I mean, from, from getting drafted to playing in the big leagues, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to be the cliche guy, you know, by any means. You know, I, I didn't take any of it for granted. There's only 30 teams in the world. It's, it's really hard to get to that level. This and that. But uh, to be able to walk away from the game, you know, with, you know, two jewelry pieces, you know, it's pretty special, one for each hand um, for the World Series. Uh, played for the youngest organization in baseball right now, and that would be Tampa. Same time, I played for the oldest organization in baseball, and that'd be the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and, you know, when I was just a young pup, I used to go to bed wearing Oakland A's pajamas, you know, and then to be able to wear an Oakland A's uniform. And, you know, I'd get the home plate, you know, and I'd look up, be like, damn, I freaking sitting right there so many times right behind home plate thinking I had six seats. Now I'm sitting in the dugout. Um, played in, uh, you know, the, the, the capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., you know, went down to old Hank Aaron, you know, with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, went Midwest and brought a ring to the Midwest. So, um it's cool, man, from the, the owners to the GMs to the managers to the ball clubs, you know, to play 13 years and to not have, like, a clunker. Um, you know, I'm pretty stoked on all of them. Yeah, dude, you mentioned the A's. I mean, that's how, – how was that feeling when you have – you're involved in two fairly, you know, at the time, big names with Cespedes. You're attached with Lester going to Oakland. Like, mm-hmm. what was that like, man? Yeah, and then, you know, my, my little project, seeing this dude just come from who wearing number 82, I think, and 62 in spring training, that turned into Josh Donaldson, um, you know, MVP the whole damn league, which was pretty special. Um, you know, Billy Bean, that name speaks for itself. Bob Melvin, probably one of the most underrated, you know, managers in all the game, if you run his resume. Um but you know how it is, man. You stick to your roots, right? So I mean, like I said, from Oakland A's pajamas to Oakland A's uniform, you know, it's pretty cool. And at the same time, that 2012 season, I mean, you got to dig a little bit, but bro, there's so much history right there. We're 16 and a half games back, 162 game season. We're in first place for four innings. 
four innings of the whole damn season. It just happened to be the last four, right? When we swept Texas, the last four at home to win the AL West. Um, probably one of the most magical seasons that will get erased. And as expected, man, because if you don't win the whole thing, you don't get much. But, um, yeah, that, that was a pretty rad season. So, I mean, talking about some of the teams you've been – or the organizations, rather, that you've been a part of, I mean, you, as you kind of already alluded to, very much you have been a, a small market guy at, at times. And on the flip side, you've also been a very big market guy, like with Boston. Mm-hmm. What are some of the differences in, in terms of how you notice the organization approach the season that you're in at that time? So I think it instantly goes to the player, man. It, it, it truly does go to the player. And from being in a small market in Tampa – uh, left there in 08 and then jumped in the big market, you know, let's see, two, five years later into Boston. But um, I wouldn't say I had my toe in the water. I had my whole foot in the water. I played from 03 to 08 in the ALE, so I knew what Boston was all about. I knew what New York was all about. I saw dudes getting buried. I saw young dudes become nothing, all of a sudden be super famous and fan favorites and all that stuff. And, it, you know, from doing this, doing that, man, it, it's all about accountability. It's just all about accountability. You know, if, if you're a starting pitcher and you give up eight runs through three, like, what happened? I sucked. It's exactly what happened. I sucked. You know, you go over four, four punches, you get the golden sombrero. Like, what happened? Wasn't my night, man. I sucked. But, you know, when you start dodging this and the umpire sucked and I didn't know I was playing, I'm not used to hitting second or fifth or this and my uniform sucks and, man, I'm not good at playing on the road and it was a day game and I'm tired and all that stuff. Fans got none of that, man. It's just it's all about accountability. And if you're accountable, you're, you'll be all right in a big market. So you were kind of at this, like, perfect – career path to where you came in there wasn't a whole lot of technology being implemented in the game it was pretty old school and then you started to witness things starting to change throughout your career where do you think the game is at now do you like it do you like the amount of technology we're rocking especially after all this cheating stuff that we've heard about like how do you feel about the game right now yeah, I mean, the cheating stuff, I mean, there, there, there's, there's no room for that. that that's just absolute buffoonery, and they, they, they knew it. Um, it. It still absolutely baffles me that it went that far and went that deep. I mean, I could tell you right now, like if David Ortiz told me, like, hey, man, I'm just going to be slamming the garbage can, like, if a changeup comes. I'd be like, bro, don't. That's stupid. Like – no, you, hell no. And if someone came up to me and was like, hey, go inside and watch the video and if it changed the pump, just wail on this garbage can. I'd be like, you're an idiot, bro. Hell no. I, it just baffles me that so many people were on board with it. Like, no one, you know, these guys talking about, oh, I, I felt whatever to, like, step up. Like, shut up. You, the, the reason you didn't step up is because you, you were on board with cheating. Um, and it's a whole different cheating, man, when you talk about relaying signs from second and all this stuff. I mean, shit, go to college football, man, look on the sidelines. These dudes are holding up signs of frauds right. and flags. And, yeah, that's a whole part of the game is, you know, trying to break the Morse code of the other team. Same with the catcher signs. But, um, yeah, the technology, it's, it, it's funny. I, I, to tell you the truth, I think – majority of the technology at the launch angle and the spin rate and all this stuff is all for the scouts. It, it really is. And it, it, it's a real big angle of to get this dude who has a 2,500, you know, RPM spin rate that's in double A that the org doesn't value. And, you know, some other orgs can be like, oh, we, yeah, you give us 2,500 on a fastball, watch this, we'll, we'll turn this dude around. Um, you know, you get a dude, you know, with an X amount of launch rate or, you know, this dude's got a, you know, a 94 mile an hour exit velocity, but he's hitting 210. You're like, well, you're a quick away. If you're going that high exit velo, you know, that 210s all of a sudden go to 260 with, you know, 15 to 20 homers. So I think a majority of all uh, 
all the uh, technology is for the scouts and the player development. So did you, did you feel yourself staying pretty consistent throughout your career in terms of your stance on technology and these different tools, or did you feel yourself maybe at least a little bit towards the end kind of evolving as, as the game changed in that regard? So I like to call myself like a realist, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, you, you, you sit back and you're like, all right, if it doesn't work, it would be gone. Like, flat out, there's a lot more smarter people than I am, and they're buying into this. And if it didn't work, it, 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 it would be gone. Um, but with that being said, you know, I had, you know, a core set. I had a routine set. I had my swing that was ingrained, and you weren't going to come to me with some number, you know, to, to change my swing. I had, you know, what worked. And by no means after eight, nine, 10 years in the big leagues, am I going to overhaul my swing? Um, you know, there, there, there's some helpful stuff, you know, that goes along with, with all that. And, um, you know, what, what I found was what the pitchers were doing, you know, I mean, here comes, you know, the elevated fastball, which, you know, came in, I'm like, all right, let me just set my sights up you know, and go with it. But, um, you know, from all the swings that I had and everything that I had, my swing was pretty ingrained, and I was going to change change all that. But, um, you know, like I said, man, if that stuff didn't work, we wouldn't have it. You talk about your swing. I'm I, I'm a hitting coach. I love studying hitting. I love talking hitting. Yeah. You've got this this like barrel tip and a hand slot that's a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. That is is a very last second thing where it creates this whip. Talk to me like how you found that as a part of your swing. Like, was that a hitting coach thing? Was that you just messing around off a machine one day and it just worked? How'd you come across that? So it, it, it's tough. And, you know, I, I work with the Diamondbacks now and it, it, it's, it's the most rewarding thing that I could ever have now is coaching and giving back to the youth. I'm in the minor leagues and it's right where I want to be. I love, you know, there, there's nothing better than a kid you know, after like a weeks of work being like, dude, I was literally incapable of doing that. And now I do it like at will. I'm like, oh, gee, you're like a proud father, dude. Yeah. You, see, you see the look on a 20-year-old's face when he goes oppo homer. And he's like, oh, my God. Like the impossible is no longer impossible. Like I, that was literally impossible for me. But um. There's a lot of stuff going on with the swing. You know, there's a lot of languages. There's all this stuff. Um, For one, I always talk about, like, a a hitting coach. Like, if you tell me, like, there's something mechanically, like, that you should not do, I'll go right to Cooperstown and show you a Hall of Famer who does it. You know, it tells you there's not a right swing. And I tell you, like, when you get out, this is why you get out. You either swung at a ball, you took a strike, or you weren't on time. That's it, man. That's it. So you come back to the dugout and you're like, hey, how are my hands? You were late, bro. I'm not doing your hands. You're late. Yeah. You know, hey, man, my backside, you know, like this. And you know, how was the freaking whatever, whatever. I'm like, bro, you swung at a ball. <laughs> you swung at a ball. The ball went in the dirt and you took a full swing. You're not going to hit, like, I don't care. Nothing. Swing at a ball, take a strike, or your timing's not right. Like, let's lock all those in. You know, you can grab this dude over here and throw a K-vest on him and just let him go, you know, haywire and all this stuff, which is good. You know, it's all good if you need numbers and stuff. But you give me the guy who's going to take balls, swing at strikes, and be on time. And I don't care if he hits one-handed. I'll take that dude all day long, you know. There's some angles with the bat and this that's going to help. No, but it's, it's, you look in the big leagues, man, there's very few swing overhauls. That's so dope. Honestly, I'm, it's, it's just simple, but it's very, it makes sense. It works yeah. at all ages. I love that. I mean, you, you tell me these dudes right here, you swung at a strike, you were on time, and you got out. Well, guess what, bro? That's how tough this game is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do what you're supposed to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. You just hit a 101-mile-an-hour exit velo, and the shortstop caught it. Stay right there. Stay yeah. right there. Go do it again. Know? Yeah, go do it again, you know? But, I mean, that's it, man. And, and, and like, 
You know, I tell my guys like in the cage, like you literally want me to give you soft toss and, and, and tell you a number after like, oh, 28 exit velo, 32 <laughs> exit velo. Man, when you're in a cage and you're teaching a number, mm-mm, that ain't it. I want barrel on the ball right back where it came from. Big homers go to center. Try that. I love that. I absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah. No nonsense. No nonsense. Uh-uh. I love it. So, Johnny, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I, I want to get back into I want to switch gears a little bit, let you reminisce a little more. Uh, who – I mean, you've been around the league. Who are some of the more interesting guys you've played with? Well, if that's your, your, your go-to interesting, I got to go right to my man, Joey Votto, right? Joey Votto. Let me tell you something. This dude is hiding out in Cincinnati, hiding out. This dude is a fat first ballot Hall of Famer right now. This dude won MVP of the league. This dude damn near triple crowned the whole national league. This dude was a catcher for five years, just about in the minor leagues, working his way. Every, people talk about like drafted. These dudes on the draft right now, like, oh, I'd be in the big leagues next year. And this dude took like five, did every single level. Took his catcher's gear off, went to first base, left-handed, got a leg kick, and run those numbers of Joey Votto the last 10 years. He's second place to only Miguel Cabrera. This dude is a monster. But interesting oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> but i tell you what uh, the best star man the best star when you're not good you're weird and when you're good <laughs> weird is awesome <laughs> damn listen to this story he's awesome but uh yeah man so you, joey Votto's he's a special kid so you think since he's a good fit for him or do you think he'd be better suited in a different organization since he's a great fit for him, man, he's one of the very few dudes that are just like, guess what? I want to turn this around. Since he drafted me, man, I'm going to stay here. They gave me this huge contract, this 10-year piece. I'm going to, I'm going to roll it out. Don't trade me. Don't do nothing. Um, but don't be surprised now. He's from Canada. Canada's got all them young pups up there in Toronto. He's probably going to have like two or three deals left, and they can do a little prospect swap. He can go play first base in Toronto. Book that. Bookmark that. Wow. But, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to make but, a note of that. We're going to come back to that yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not too many years. But as, but as a whole, man, he, he he's very loyal to uh, Cincinnati, and it, it's pretty refreshing when you see all these dudes with huge contracts bouncing around, being like, oh, I want out of here. I want out of here. Like, don't trade me. Don't do nothing. I don't want to leave. I want to stay here. But Yeah. Careful. And there's, I mean, they're starting to support him. You know, you got Suarez on the other side who can hit 40-45. You're starting to get some mm-hmm. arms in there that can support the, the run support a little bit. So, I mean, they're starting to make some moves. Let me tell you something. My man Mike Moustakis, the moose, is about to dwarf that ballpark. <laughs> this dude's about to – I mean, they don't call a great American small park for nothing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a damn good place to hit. And uh, that left-hand bat right there, line to line, Moustakis play third great. Um, I think they got some other dudes too. I forget in the offseason. Uh, Wade Miley, they picked up that big left hander. Um, that was going to be a, a real interesting right there in the NL Central to watch. When you shorten that season, man, don't let those guys host the trophy because they, they got a chance. They got that closer in the back and their starter. What's their ace's name? Castillo or Cast something? This yeah, I think it's Lu- Luis Castillo. I think yeah, it. this dude. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, Sonny Gray is, it looks like he's kind of found his niche. Yeah. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. it's with Bauer there now, it's yeah, it's some the reds, some stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Is that yeah, is that your is that kind of your sleeper pick for this? Um, season, if you got one? Uh, sleeper pick? If it is a sleeper pick, actually, you look at the uh, you know the NL Central as a whole. But I do always got to back my guy, David Ross, who's going to be running the show in the Cubs. You know, you never know what's going to happen there. Um, you know, you go to the American League, the A's went super far, not far enough. But, you know, they got those the, – the corners locked down with Chapman and Olsen. You know, they're pretty good. Chris Davis will be DHing. 
Um, Simmons, the shortstop, is an MVP, uh, you know, candidate. They got a lot of action there. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I, I tell you what, you know, I would say so 162 games, so you go to the halfway point of 81, you go past previous history of the 81, if you look at the standings, man, they're all jacked up. They're yeah. all jacked up. All of a sudden you get the Cinderella story, you know, and stuff. there's going to be no Cinderella stories this year. Cinderella is going to be a champ. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Predictions by Johnny Gomes. We're writing uh, this stuff down, man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sleep on my D-backs, too, now. You know, my D-backs out here. A lot of Scottsdale, talent. Right? A lot of talent. Just they stole Madison Bumgarner. Let's just a, get him let's talk there. Talk about that. Holy wow. Bro. What a steal. I mean, how about that as a GM or an owner or anything? Like, man, we snuck into the playoffs and we get to hand the ball to Bumgarner. Yeah. <laughs> we backdoored our way in. Starley Marte, you kidding me running around the center field? Cole Calhoun snuck away from Anaheim? How's that outfield with Peralta, Marte, yeah. and Calhoun? It's Cole Glove right? outfield. Yeah. And then people give him credit for it, that's for sure. And then you got the other Marte moving to second base, who was in center. And then you got the platinum gold glove winner sitting there at shortstop. Ooh. Carson Kelly, who they got for Goldschmidt. And you didn't even see the other guys we got for Goldschmidt and the dudes we got for Zach Granke. Uh-huh. Book it. Do your homework. <laughs> yeah, do your homework. Them D-backs are coming. All right, Johnny, I got to ask, what is your top – David Ortiz story. So, I mean, David Ortiz is obviously speech. What was that game? Uh, game four, you know, when he gave that big speech when he rallied the troops. Uh, like, believe it or not, like, that happened a lot, like, on the plane. That happened a lot on the bus. Like, he wouldn't talk, you know, like, to everybody, like, as a whole. But, I mean, this dude would hold court. My gosh, man, it was like a bunch of kindergartens looking at the teacher. Everyone's bug-eyed looking at dude. Um, but sorry, I mean, I got, I'll, I'll give you two right now. One, this dude literally demolished a bullpen phone in Baltimore. Everyone remembers that, but let's not forget about that. This dude got absolutely screwed at home plate on balls and strikes and just torched the bullpen phone. And I remember it was so funny. I was sitting down right there and I had Dustin Bedroya right next to me and Everyone was just guarding their head like this. And Dustin Pedroia, like, jumps up and, like, goes, like, hold them back. He, he does what he does. And afterwards, I was like, hey, hey, Dustin, like, what did you really think you were going to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, if you're looking for a guy to hold him back, I don't know if Petey's your top pick on that. <laughs> yeah, but, but Petey and Dustin, man, they go way back. And, you know, they got – I mean, David just basically just grab him, put him in his pocket. He's like, you, you just sit right there. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that 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 was pretty cool to watch. Um, the other one, I think it was what was it the DS or the, uh, the DS AODS against Tampa in thirteen. And I want to say it was David Price on the mound or Matt Moore. So when you're at home, playoffs or not, like you just come wearing just shorts, just right, no reason to dress up, right? You go from home to the yard, no big deal. My man just strolls through the clubhouse like in a suit. And we're like, damn, suit, huh? He goes, yep. Like, I thought like he went to church or something like before <laughs> the game or this dude was dressed at the nines. We're like, why why y'all dressed up? Dude? Like, what, what's special? Okay, birthday shit. I don't know. You know, he goes, ah, this for the postseason, for the post game. I'm like, <laughs> The post game, he goes, yep, for all my interviews, post game. I'm like, dude, we're facing price tonight. You know, he goes, like I said, the post game. Man, this dude was calling shots against price at, at like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And once again, unless you're good, it's dumb, you know, but when you're really good, it's like, wow. This dude was getting dressed this morning and said, I'm going to pick a suit because I'm going to be player of the game because I'm going to take price deep a few times. This dude's on another planet. I love that. Yeah, that dude put up ungodly numbers in 13. 
Yeah. He's sick, man. I mean, he's like Tom Brady to me, man. If you don't like him, just freaking drop your jealousy. Drop your <laughs> – you're bummed out about something. They're just like – give talent, like, the credit. It's like, man, the dude's filthy good. It's unbelievable. Well, how about you, man? What's what's looking back 13 years, man? That's a long time. What for you is your favorite moment of your professional career? So I signed up to this game, you know, with, with one goal, and that was to win the World Series. That's all I wanted. I, you know, I mean, and I'm totally cool if you want to make a hundred million, sick. You want to win a Cy Young, sick. You want to win MVP, sick. You know, whatever. I mean, I ain't doubting anyone's goals, whatever. But I wanted to win a World Series. Um, you know, that, that was pretty cool. And to tell you the truth, I, I, I really thought I was going to be the dude who was like 80, you know, and I was like rally around old freaking grumpy John Gums and wheel his ass out there and he's going to get his ring. I really did think that's how it was going to be. Um, so to leave the game with that, but I'm still so biased to like my first, you know, because – I mean, small town, Juco guy, you know, this and that. Everyone's got their stories, whatever. But, uh, man, just making it. Just making it. You know, I made my debut in 03 at Yankee Stadium, getting my hit, you know, my first hit, you know, my first homer a little bit later. Uh, just a whole bunch of my first, you know, which I hold pretty close to my heart. Who was that knockoff of in 03? Oh, uh, just some slap lefty David Wells. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah. God, well, that's I'm a not, good name. I'm not that's trying to. Name. I'm not yeah. trying to date you by any means, but I mean, you're kind of dating yourself a little bit there. <laughs> no, you you know, so funny is even like later in my career. So that was like '03. So I'd like screw around and go look at tape, and like I'd watch tape, and I'm like, damn, there's like Ruben Sierra just caught my ball. Like what? You know, like Bernie Williams flagging my stuff down, you know, and it's like uh, Richie Sexton doing this. Uh, They're punch out against Tom Gordon. I'm like, God damn. As I'm putting the VHS in, you know, to watch these. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some datridge going on there. All right, man. Talk to me about about Johnny Gomes, non-baseball player. You mentioned you got a bunch of little ones you're looking after. What else else we got, man? You get any fishing, hunting in, golf? What do we got? Yeah, so not golf, man. I'm I'm sticking my guns on that. That shit's not even a sport. It's a hobby. (laughs) And it's like chasing a damn ghost. I'm totally on board getting outside. I get it. But, um, I'll go to Top Golf or something. You know, I'll go to driving range. I ain't trying to chase my balls. Half of them are in the creek. You know, it's miserable. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just, you know whatever, man. Dude's dude. You know, I mean, I'll shoot some guns. I'll go off road. I'll fish. Um, I just gotta stay active. I'm I'm pretty. Uh, I, I get cabin fever with the best of them, even in my own house. I gotta get outside. You know, so. I'm on my mountain bike, I'm on a motorcycle, I'm on you know, my truck, I'm chasing my kids around. Um, yeah, I don't watch TV, I don't I look at my computer. Uh, I'm just, uh, yeah, just, just old fashioned outside, man. What kind of music can we find in the headphones of Mr. Johnny Gomes? So I'm, I'm I mean, you know, like with, you know, the workouts, you know, back in the day or, or, you know, hitting with the music with the cage on, there's always someone super like passionate about his music and I just let them pay their, play their music. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on both sides. I'm, I, I'm on all of them, man. I, I, I can go like top 40 billboards, you know, I can get down, you know, with some Kenny Chesney. I can get down with some two chains, you know, I can get down with some monkey business and techno, like, um, I mean, if it's upbeat and gets the people around me going, I'll fit right in. But yeah, I don't, I don't be like, oh, that shit sucks. That sucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> if it gets the crowd going, I'm in. I like it. Are you a, uh, are you a food guy at all? Food connoisseur, buddy, but I That's can't I like cook it, and it pisses me off. <laughs> pisses me off. I mean, I know a good steak like nothing other, and I, I can't figure it out, man. I can't. I mean, I'll barbecue all day long, but, like, 
damn, what the hell do they do in those restaurants? And what I can't do. <laughs> What's the uh, the top city you would travel to that you had like a restaurant you had to stop by and hit? With some food, um, man, you know. So I just, you know, a, a, a nice red meat, and I uh, I like Brussels sprouts as my greens. I, I don't do carbs much, but um, I mean, it was hard. I mean, there's the main change, you know, there's the Mortons, um, there's the Flemings, uh, Delmonico's is really good, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, they're all kind of similar. I mean, you're kind of splitting apples right there, but it's what you put on top. It's what you put on top, buddy. You know, if you get that garlic butter or if you get the Oscar (laughs) style, that's what separates it all. So whenever we do get fans back into these stadiums for these ball games, I'm going to obviously be heading back up to Boston uh, to catch some games. Are there any spots around Fenway that I should be looking out for? Because, I mean, you, you hear about the popular spots from people that are up there all the time, but I'd be curious to get a player's perspective on that. Yeah, if you're going to go up to Boston, if they got more than 10 tables, that's a little too mainstream, man. You got to go to the undercover joints, man. You got to go to somewhere where, you know, they're probably like linked and shit, you know, like down in there. You know, you go down to like the the, the Italian area. Mafia. Um, <laughs> yeah, God, it's heavy down there. But, um, you know, that's a great joint, you know, up there. Just, just make sure you find yourself getting a lobster roll. That's what you got to get up there. Oh, 100%. Lobster roll. Yeah. I got you. Well, we don't want to take up too much of your time, Johnny. Nate, you got anything else you want to wrap this up with? I got one more. That's that's all I got for me, my man. I I, I appreciate you uh keeping the the Boston blood, you know, not too thick over there for me, because I this was bittersweet. This was bitter yeah. I got I got the Jeter shirt on, so I just I I appreciate you not rubbing it in too much. You guys uh kicking our ass for the last, I don't know, five or six years of your career there. I'll tell you what, man, to this day, friggin' so my first hit, like we're talking, David Wells, uh, it was a double, and, you know, Derek Jeter gave me a tap on the butt, you know, congrats, kid. And I put that right up with, you know, all the memories. I mean, that's another dude if you don't like him you can just go play frisbee in the freeway man this dude was so freaking so class act and and he and he probably knows i mean i ain't too high on his list but that's the only dude i didn't try and break their legs and i'll turn and trying to break up too i was like i was not gonna be that guy and nor should anyone because you gotta have nothing but respect for that dude He, he was pro as it gets that's it, man. I'm good. I can walk away now. I'm happy. Yeah, all good. <laughs> I love it. Johnny, last question for you. I might have to put some thought into this one. If you had to list out your all-time 2-3-4 lineup, who are you going with? 2-3-4 in the top. Okay, so at the top, so I'm going to give you one dude that has to be on the field with me at any given time, and that's Dustin Pedroia. Okay. Um, so if we just need like a quick lineup like that, I can go Dustin Pedroia. So I don't need a clutch guy, which would be, uh, David Ortiz. I don't need an arm, anything, which would be like John Lester, but run this dude's numbers. Okay. Mike Napoli. All right. There's a lot more behind that beard and that craziness and those tattoos, man. This dude will wear a pitcher down. He'll take his walk. He'll stretch you out to center field. He'll be the dude that, like, he'll have a 15-pitch at bat and just wear the pitcher down and punch out. And I come up right behind him and just go, boo, homer, (laughs) first pitch. Like, everyone forgets about Mike Napoli's, you know, 15-pitch at bat. I wore the dude down, you know, so. And I'd probably, you know, like, have to bat third to protect those guys, you know. Of course. There you go. There you go. You got to get in there. Yeah. All right, man. There is one more question. This is a little bit of an inside joke between Kyle and I and our listeners. We ask everybody, yes or no on mint chocolate chip ice cream? No, that shit's dumb. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Nate, you yeah. can literally have every oh. other player that we talk to. I got Johnny Gomes on my side, so that's all I yeah. do. 
Come on, yeah. man. That's it, man. I mean, for one, it's green. Right? Thank you. <laughs> Thank one, you. It's green. What right? even is that? That's it's trash. Yeah. Yeah. You like green. green beer on St. Patty's Day, right? Exactly. And I'll drink mint chocolate chip <laughs> that same day. But <laughs> not every day. Uh yeah. No, so yeah, you can have it. My son likes it. And I look at him like, man, you're so weird. But I think he likes it because it's like the same colors as like the Hulk. He thinks he's gonna turn into the Hulk. But that's cool. I'll take little gums. Yeah. I'll keep little gums yeah. on my side. Yeah, he fires me up. Well, Johnny, yeah. appreciate it. And as a Sox guy, again, wholeheartedly thank you for that 2013 title. That's, I mean, behind yeah. 04, that's got to be the top, the top championship for that club. So the one thing that separates 2013 from the rest of the other champions is we celebrated at home. That made it all worth it, man. That was awesome. I made, I made it all worth it, man. I mean, I, I there was in uh, with the Royals in uh, 15, we won in New York. I mean, to win in front of your home crowd. I remember, like, in the sixth, seventh inning, being in left field and looking, and you can see, like, the walkways, you know, where, you know, you got to walk up and down the stairs. And all of a sudden, you look up, and there's six, or, like, people in the walkway. And by the seventh, there's more people in the walkway. And the eighth, there's – and you couldn't see the walkways up anymore. And it, it just people were piling into the stadium, jumping fences, doing whatever they had to do, man. I guarantee there were 60,000 people inside Fenway that night when we won it in free rod. I love it. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely love this conversation. Definitely hope we can have you on sometime in the near future. But like I said, appreciate your time right and uh, hope you're taking it easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Thanks, guys. Brother. All right. Take it easy now. So there you have it. The conversation with Johnny Gomes, I got to say, one of the favorite things about being able to talk to these guys is hearing those stories that you will never hear. I know I say that a lot. But the David Ortiz story, rolling into the clubhouse, finding yeah. out that he picked, he knew what he was going to wear hours before the game because he knew he was going to be sitting at the podium afterwards. Those kind of stories, man. You can't hear it anywhere else. You know? Can't hear it anywhere else. For a... Uh, for a, a dude of that caliber in your clubhouse the arguably one of the most clutch players to ever play the game to come in with that much confidence you're like that has to spread throughout the clubhouse that, that just that vibe just has to get you pumped so that is that's a dope story i love that story and we talk about johnny gomes just being like that quintessential teammate the, when he was talking about his all-time two, three, four, and how he had to have PD in there as a guy yeah. that he had to be on the field with at all times, you're not going to hear that from everybody. Yeah, you're not going to hear that thought process, that just that way of thinking about the game and the yeah. thinking about the people that are around you while you're playing the game. That's yeah. that was pretty cool to hear. Yeah, but the appreciation and. How he talked about, I mean, obviously the Yankees stories about how he's like, Bernie Williams is tracking down my fly ball. Like, Ruben Sierra is in the box right now. Like, names that he obviously looked up to and now he's playing with. The fact that he swore that he would never try to blow up Derek Jeter on the double play attempt. Like, this is the only shortstop he would not tear up. So I was like, that's just, that's just cool to hear. Because, and that's where it makes me, for me, it's it'd be easy to say, screw this we're talking to johnny gomes like a, a well-known beard for the red sox like i'm not interested but to respect him as a human respect him as a player because of the respect that he has for the game and the other players it's contagious so i was like how can you not like this guy minus the fact that he doesn't like mint chocolate chip ice cream i mean i i knew i think I, you knew that answer i knew at the in the deepest depths of my soul that Johnny <laughs> Gomes was not going to be a mint chocolate chip ice cream guy. That's cool. That's cool. I got little Gomes on my side. Little Gomes likes the Hulk ice cream. That's what he said. So, Speaking of food, I love hearing these guys' takes on like little hot spots that they know. Or They're really not yeah. even hot. That's the key. They're not really hot spots. They're like kind of under flying under the radar a little bit. Like yeah. little holes in the wall. 
Yeah. But have you ever had a lobster roll though? I have not. Dude. Do you like lobster? I'm coming around on seafood. Started yeah. out started out super simple. Fried shrimp. That was kind of like my foundation. Okay. I'm a huge salmon guy now, so I'm okay. I'm coming around a little bit. Lobster might have to be the next uh next move. So lobster is like it's very soft. It's not like chewy. But a lobster roll because uh, I've had a lobster roll in Boston and it was phenomenal. You gotta get them hot. They'll get the cold ones. Um but it's like it's in a hot dog bun. They put it in like a hot dog bun. And then you'll get some other stuff in there. You get like a little like a mayo dressing sometimes. You'll get like some tomatoes or something like that put on there. Or just hot butter. Pfft. Telling you, dude. He wasn't lying. You got to hit that up. I love it. Yeah, Johnny Gomes, man, that was, uh, that was a fun one. And I know I said it before. Slight bias being a Sox guy. But, I mean, I think, again, if you're not a Sox person – that's just a great baseball guy. And again, yeah. he's not even like we, we talked to him about it. I don't really think he necessarily identifies as a Sox guy. Yeah. Because he, he appreciates just as proud being exactly. a Royal, just as proud being an A, yep. a Ray, any of those guys, any of those clubs. So, yeah. And if you're still, any of your listeners, if you're still playing, the advice he gave of, of your mentality, the three things you need to think about is you either swung at a ball, you took a strike, or you were not on time. That's it. That's all it comes down to. I love it. That is amazing mentality, and it's very accurate. I feel like in a way you could kind of apply that to life. Like if you, yeah. really, if you really break it down. Yeah. Johnny Gomes just giving solid life advice. I know. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's all I got, man. Another one in the books. Another one in the books. Another, Another quality, solid dude. Quality Just, dude. We're hustling for you guys. We know this stuff sucks. We know we're right on the brink of a baseball season. We're almost there. And uh, we know that this stuff is necessary right now. So we hope you enjoyed. We're going to be trying to do a couple more drop-ins on y'all. Instagram DMs, be looking for that link. Just mm -hmm. going to randomly be dropping in, having a little video chat with you guys, talk some ball, talk some life, talk some quarantine. If you're still not tired about talking about that already. <laughs> so be on the lookout. Let us know if you want us to drop in. Like it'll, we'll still keep it a surprise. Like we'll, we'll try to mix it up a little bit, be a little bit on a little bit, be a little bit more on the random side. Like, we don't want to be too predictable with this stuff. But if you want to add your name to the list, let us know. And we will, I can almost guarantee, I can pretty much guarantee that we will at some point drop in on you guys. Oh, yeah. Because there's nothing else going on. So We're coming at you. We got nothing but time. Nate, tell them about the reviews and the stars and the you subscribes. You guys already know. You guys already know we need the love. We, we're grinding. I need you guys to just use your thumb or index finger. And a couple more spots on that touch screen of yours. I, I mean, if this interview doesn't get you to click five stars, I don't know what will. Subscriptions are amazing. Like, that's that's all you got to do. If you want the alerts, I mean, just like, hey, a new episode dropped. That's all it is. Bang. Go listen. Yeah, that's because who, who actually keeps up with podcasts that they're not subscribed to? Like, I'm not exactly. trying to spend time going searching for it. It's right there. It's in your library. It's ready to roll. All you got to do is Waiting hit that play button. Just hit the subscribe button. That's all you got to do. Plays the most recent episode. It's just that it's kind of a no-brainer at that point. Reviews. If you like mint chocolate chip ice cream, if you don't, if you love the players that we're talking to, if you maybe want to mix in a little comment of your own. A let little us, let us know up. who your favorite interview during quarantine thus far has been. We've got we've had some uh, pretty quality names out there. Yeah, we've had some good names. So get in there, do that as well. It it helps us. It really does. And if you don't believe us, you can go listen to any other podcast of any other category, and they're going to tell you the same thing at the end too. So get used to it. 
And I myself am an avid podcast listener, and I know that when I get to the part of whatever show that I'm listening to, and they talk about leaving ratings and reviews and subscribing and all that, I just kind of like roll my eyes. I'm like, okay, yeah, somebody else will take care of that. But you listening to this right now, be the change. Be the change. I know <laughs> if you've been listening to this show for a while that you haven't gotten sick of Nate and I's takes yet. Yeah. So be the change. Let us know that you appreciate the show or if you like mint chocolate chip ice cream. It doesn't matter. It's a wide spectrum. But don't be don't be a leech. Don't be somebody that just takes in this content Every Does week. Does give any love back? I mean, come on. I mean, not that we're doing it for the love, but it certainly helps. We love you guys. Just love us back. Right? I mean, at at, the, at a very fundamental level, that's really all of us. Pretty pretty simple. Are looking for you know? Yeah. Nate, that's all I got, man. I'll do it. You guys know the freaking drill. Don't go chasing curveballs. Love y'all, and as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time. Folks, stay filthy.